Shabbat Shalom. Welcome to another episode of A Christian Voice. Happy Independence Day. Is that a mockery? Freedom? Liberty? I am mourning this week. Mourning for my nation. My home. Due to the illegal, yes folks, unconstitutional rulings from the Supreme Court. Which decisions am I talking about? Right now, I'm addressing the ACA, commonly known as Obamacare, and the marriage rulings. You know, the Supreme Court does not get to legislate. That's another branch. You know, the legislature. The Supreme Court is part of the judiciary. They only get to uphold what is already legislated. If you want to legislate, to make law, get off the bench. The Supreme Court can not make laws. Let me repeat that. The Supreme Court can not make law. I'm going to give you guys some information today. I have learned, and oh, it has saddened me, that so many of you will have never heard this before. This will be brand new information for most Americans. My people perish for lack of knowledge. What is this information I'm giving you today? I'm going to read four documents to you. I'm going to read you the full texts of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States of America, the Bill of Rights, including any preambles, and the 14th Amendment. New information. That makes my heart weep. The Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, Evens is a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. 
Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records, for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time, after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of, and superior to, the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution, and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial, from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries, so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislatures, and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people.
He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, dissolution, and tyranny. Already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy, scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us, and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers. The merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation, and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind: enemies in war, in peace, friends. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do. In the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war. Conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Constitution. We, the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Article One, Section One: All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. Which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives, Section Two. The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative 
who shall not have attained to the age of twenty-five years, and been seven years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states, which may be included within this union, according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States, and within every subsequent term of ten years, in such manner as they shall by law direct. The number of representatives shall not exceed one for every thirty thousand, but each state shall have at least one representative. And until such enumeration shall be made, the state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three, Massachusetts, eight, Rhode Island and Providence plantations, one, Connecticut, five, New York, six, New Jersey, four, Pennsylvania, eight, Delaware, one, Maryland, six, Virginia, ten, North Carolina, five, South Carolina, five, and Georgia, three. When vacancies happen in the representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers, and shall have the sole power of impeachment. Section 3. The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state, chosen by the legislature thereof, for six years, and each senator shall have one vote. Immediately after they shall be assembled, in consequence of the first election, they shall be divided as equally as may be into three classes. The seats of the senators of the first class shall be vacated at the expiration of the second year, of the second class, at the expiration of the fourth year, and of the third class, at the expiration of the sixth year, so that one-third may be chosen every second year. And if vacancies happen by resignation, or otherwise, during the recess of the legislature of any state, the executive thereof may make temporary appointments until the next meeting of the legislature, which shall then fill such vacancies. No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of thirty years, and been nine years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state for which he shall be chosen. The Vice President of the United States shall be President of the Senate, but shall have no vote, unless they be equally divided. The Senate shall choose their other officers, and also a President pro tempore, in the absence of the Vice President, or when he shall exercise the office of President of the United States. The Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. When the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Section 4. 
the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives, shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meeting shall be on the first Monday in December, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Section 5. Each House shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business. But a smaller number may adjourn from day to day, and may be authorized to compel the attendance of absent members, in such manner, and under such penalties, as each House may provide. Each House may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and, with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Each House shall keep a journal of its proceedings, and from time to time publish the same, excepting such parts as may in their judgment require secrecy, and the yeas and nays of the members of either House on any question shall, at the desire of one-fifth of those present, be entered on the journal. Neither House, during the session of Congress, shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be sitting. Section 6. The senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services, to be ascertained by law, and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall in all cases, except treason, felony, and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses, and in going to and returning from the same and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. No senator or representative shall, during the time for which he was elected, be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States, which shall have been created, or the emoluments whereof shall have been increased during such time. And no person holding any office under the United States shall be a member of either house during his continuance in office. Section 7. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments, as on other bills. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it become a law, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approve, he shall sign it, but if not, he shall return it, with his objections to that House in which it shall have originated, who shall enter the objections at large on their journal, and proceed to reconsider it. If, after such reconsideration, two-thirds of that House shall agree to pass the bill, it shall be sent, together with the objections, to the other House, by which it shall likewise be reconsidered. And if approved by two-thirds of that House, it shall become a law. But in all such cases, the votes of both Houses shall be determined by yeas and nays, and the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each House, respectively. If any bill shall not be returned by the President within ten days, Sundays excepted, after it shall have been presented to him, the same shall be a law, in like manner as if he had signed it, unless the Congress by their adjournment prevent its return, in which case it shall not be a law. Every order, resolution, or vote to which the concurrence of the Senate and House of Representatives may be necessary, except on a question of adjournment, shall be presented to the President of the United States, and before the same shall take effect, shall be approved by him, 
or being disapproved by him, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the Senate and House of Representatives, according to the rules and limitations prescribed in the case of a bill. Section 8. The Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. To borrow money on the credit of the United States. To regulate commerce with foreign nations, and among the several states, and with the Indian tribes. To establish an uniform rule of naturalization, and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. To coin money, regulate the value thereof, and a foreign coin and fix the standard of weights and measures. To provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States. To establish post offices and post roads. To promote the progress of science and useful arts. By securing, for limited times, to authors and inventors, the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. To constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court to define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas, and offenses against the law of nations, to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water, to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money to that use shall be for a longer term than two years, to provide and maintain a navy, to make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces. To provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. To provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress, to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district, not exceeding 10 miles square, as may, by session of particular states, and the acceptance of Congress, become the seat of the government of the United States, and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be, for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings, and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers, and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States, or in any department or officer thereof. Section 9. The migration or importation of such persons, as any of the states now existing, shall think proper to admit, shall not be prohibited by the Congress, prior to the year 1808. But a tax or duty may be imposed on such importation, not exceeding $10 for each person. The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended, unless when, in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. No bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. No capitation or other direct tax shall be laid, unless in proportion to the census or enumeration herein before directed to be taken. No tax or duty shall be laid on articles exported from any state. 
No preference shall be given by any regulation of commerce or revenue to the ports of one state over those of another. Nor shall vessels bound to or from one state be obliged to enter, clear, or pay duties in another. No money shall be drawn from the treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law. And a regular statement and account of the receipts and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of the Congress, accept any present, emolument, office, or title of any kind whatever from any king, prince, or foreign state. Section 10. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of mark and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligation of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. No state shall, without the consent of the Congress, lay any impost or duties on imports or exports, except what may be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection laws, and the net produce of all duties and imposts, laid by any state on imports or exports, shall be for the use of the Treasury of the United States, and all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control of the Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops, or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state, or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded, or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Article 2, Section 1. The executive power shall be vested in a President of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years, and, together with the Vice President, chosen for the same term, be elected, as follows. Each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors, equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. But no senator or representative, or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States, shall be appointed an elector. The electors shall meet in their respective states, and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. And they shall make a list of all the persons voted for, and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify, and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States, directed to the President of the Senate. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the President, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if there be more than one who have such majority, and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for President. And if no person have a majority, then from the five highest on the list, the said House shall, in like manner, choose the President. But, in choosing the President, the votes shall be taken by states, the representation from each state having one vote. A quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two-thirds of the states, and a majority of all the states shall be necessary to a choice. In every case, after the choice of the President, 
the person having the greatest number of votes of the electors shall be the vice president. But if there should remain two or more who have equal votes, the Senate shall choose from them by ballot the vice president. The Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors, and the day on which they shall give their votes, which day shall be the same throughout the United States. No person, except a natural born citizen, or a citizen of the United States, at the time of the adoption of this Constitution, shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to the office, who shall not have attained to the age of thirty five years, and been fourteen years a resident within the United States. In case of the removal of the president from office, or of his death, resignation, or inability to discharge the powers and duties of the said office, the same shall devolve on the vice president. And the Congress may, by law, provide for the case of removal, death, resignation, or inability, both of the president and vice president, declaring what officer shall then act as president, and such officer shall act accordingly, until the disability be removed. Or a president shall be elected. The president shall, at stated times, receive for his services a compensation, which shall neither be increased nor diminished during the period for which he shall have been elected, and he shall not receive within that period any other emolument from the United States, or any of them. Before he enter on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation I do solemnly swear or affirm. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States, and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Section 2 The President shall be Commander in Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States, and of the militia of the several states, when called into the actual service of the United States. He may require the opinion, in writing, of the principal officer in each of the executive departments, upon any subject relating to the duties of their respective offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. He shall have power, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, to make treaties. Provided two thirds of the senators present concur, and he shall nominate, and by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States, whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by law. But the Congress may by law vest the appointment of such inferior officers, as they think proper, in the President alone, in the courts of law, or in the heads of departments. The President shall have power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions which shall expire at the end of their next session. Section 3. He shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union, and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses, or either of them. And in case of disagreement between them, with respect to the time of adjournment, he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. 
He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed, and shall commission all the officers of the United States. Section 4. The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for, and conviction of, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Article 3, Section 1. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one supreme court, and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior, and shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. Section 2. The judicial power shall extend to all cases, in law and equity, arising under this Constitution. The laws of the United States, and treaties made, or which shall be made, under their authority. To all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls. To all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction. To controversies to which the United States shall be a party. To controversies between two or more states. Between a state and citizens of another state. Between citizens of different states. Between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants of different states. And between a state or the citizens thereof. And foreign states, citizens, or subjects. In all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all the other cases before mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact, with such exceptions and under such regulations as the Congress shall make. The trial of all crimes, except in cases of impeachment, shall be by jury. And such trials shall be held in the state where the said crimes shall have been committed. But when not committed within any state, the trial shall be at such place or places as the Congress may by law have directed. Section 3. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them, or in adhering to their enemies giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. Article 4 Section 1 Full faith and credit shall be given in each state to the public acts, records, and judicial proceedings of every other state. And the Congress may, by general laws, prescribe the manner in which such acts, records, and proceedings shall be proved, and the effect thereof. Section 2. The citizens of each state shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of citizens in the several states. A person charged in any state with treason felony, or other crime, who shall flee from justice, and be found in another state, shall, on demand of the executive authority of the state from which he fled, be delivered up, 
to be removed to the state having jurisdiction of the crime. No person held to service or labor in one state, under the laws thereof, escaping into another, shall, in consequence of any law or regulation therein, be discharged from such service or labor, but shall be delivered up on claim of the party to whom such service or labor may be due. Section 3. New states may be admitted by the Congress into this union, but no new state shall be formed or erected within the jurisdiction of any other state, nor any state be formed by the junction of two or more states or parts of states, without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned, as well as of the Congress. The Congress shall have power to dispose of and make all needful rules and regulations respecting the territory or other property belonging to the United States, and nothing in this Constitution shall be so construed as to prejudice any claims of the United States or of any particular state. Section 4. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this Union a republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature, or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened, against domestic violence. Article 5. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states, or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses in the ninth section of the first article and that no state, without its consent, shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. Article 6. All debts contracted and engagements entered into before the adoption of this Constitution shall be as valid against the United States under this Constitution as under the Confederation. This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. The senators and representatives before mentioned, and the members of the several state legislatures, and all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Article 7. The ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of this Constitution between the states so ratifying the same done in convention by the unanimous consent of the states present, the 17th day of September, in the year of our Lord, 1787, and of the independence of the United States of America, in witness whereof we have hereunto subscribed our names. I'm not reading names. The U.S. Bill of Rights. 
Congress of the United States, begun and held at the City of New York on Wednesday, the 4th of March, 1789. The conventions of a number of the states, having at the time of their adopting the Constitution, expressed a desire, in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, and as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends of its institution. Resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America, in Congress assembled, two-thirds of both houses concurring, that the following articles be proposed to the legislatures of the several states as amendments to the Constitution of the United States, all or any of which articles, when ratified by three-fourths of the said legislatures, to be valid to all intents and purposes as part of the said Constitution, viz. Articles, in addition to, and amendment of, the Constitution of the United States of America, proposed by Congress, and ratified by the legislatures of the several states, pursuant to the fifth article of the original Constitution. Amendment 1. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Amendment 2. A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Amendment 3. No soldier shall, in time of peace, be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. Amendment 4. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Amendment 5. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime, unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces, or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Amendment 6. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Amendment 7. In suits at common law, 
where the value in controversy shall exceed twenty dollars, the right of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall be otherwise re-examined in any court of the United States than according to the rules of the common law. Amendment eight: Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Amendment nine. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Amendment ten, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. So there are your three basic tenets of American government. Now where? In any of these documents, are the American people, the free people, forced to buy Obamacare? I mean, insurance. Whether it be retirement insurance, better known as Social Security, auto insurance, health insurance, or whatever they think of imposing next, where? You've just heard the full, unedited, as written texts. Ruling for Obamacare was constitutionally illegal. It was an illegal decision. Now, the much ado about nothing Fourteenth Amendment reads as follows: Section one: All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges. Or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And the rest goes on to deal with representatives. Dot dot dot. Now, where in any of these four documents is there a right? To marry someone of the opposite gender, and yes, folks, gender is as truly unchangeable as skin color, perhaps more. Rachel Dolezal is just a sad, deceived product of our times. So are most of the people trapped in homosexuality. There is no guarantee that you can have marriage with anyone in any of these documents, and being the law of the entire land. They are the pertinent documents, relevant. They are the relevant and the only relevant documents. Both sides know this. This is why true marriage defenders want to amend the law to define it clearly as a right and a right only to be granted to, exercised by, one man of legal majority, in other words, a legal adult, and one woman of legal majority. But I think that would also be an imposition, just as bad as the other. My opinion. Look, folks, God has already defined marriage when He created Adam, and made a point of showing how it was not good for him to be alone. Then He separately created Eve, a woman, to be the perfect and only mate for man, one man and one woman. This is the mating that the Creator has given. This and only this. Now, these first three documents uphold that fact, which fact that there is a divine creator 
and that he has established laws which apply to all people. That the government of the states that have united themselves by common assent exists to protect these natural laws. Well, you might say, haven't there been other subsequent amendments? Sure, none of them apply here and they weren't worth my reading to you. If you don't believe me, or even if you do, I strongly encourage you to read these things for yourselves. Do research, only use primary sources, that means original documents, as far as possible. See it for yourself. I'm only reading the 14th Amendment to you, not because I believe it applies, but because it's been used as an excuse for this abomination of redefining God's standard of holy matrimony. You've heard the words, where is that in there? It isn't. It isn't there anywhere. No one has had any privileges or immunities abridged. You never had the privilege to behave that way. There never existed, nor does there exist now, any immunity from prosecution for your acts of sodomy or homosexuality. No one's been deprived of life. In fact, marriage without the possibility of natural offspring between the married couple is in itself a deprivation of life. No one has been deprived of liberty. You never had the liberty to marry anyone you wanted. Never. There have always been laws prohibiting certain marriages from occurring. In most states, homosexuality, sodomy, is still on the laws as an illegal act. No one enforces these laws, which renders them of no effect, but still, they exist. So you're claiming that you're being deprived of the liberty of committing an openly illegal act. That's called a crime. You do not actually have the liberty to commit a legal crime. <laughs> Sorry. No one's being deprived of property. I hope that one's clear enough not to have to explain. And nothing at all is going on here without due process of law. No law has ever existed that allowed same-sex relationships in America. Therefore, there has never been, nor is there now, any protection for same-sex relationships under the law. No one is being denied the equal protection of the laws. In fact, as previously noted, the law not only does not protect same-sex relationships, but in many cases actually condemns it. No one even bothered to remove those laws in most states. They simply ignored them and hoped to bypass them by bringing a fraud of a case straight to the highest court in the land, hoping that would smother the state's individual laws. And we heard in there, the only cases in which the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. So go back and listen again, or read it yourself. There is no protection for same-sex relationships in the law. You will not find that anywhere in any law in America. And no other law applies in America but American law. So again, the 14th Amendment clearly has no application here. I can't help it. Here are some applicable verses from the Holy Bible. Let's start in Jeremiah, beginning at chapter 3. I want you to listen carefully to this part, please. The Holy Bible says, Israel here. I am reading it as America. It does not say America in the Holy Bible. Okay, here we go. Quote, Return, thou backsliding America, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, 
and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God, and you have scattered your ways to the strangers under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says Adonai. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of America. For they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten Adonai their God. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in Adonai our God is the salvation of America. For shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth. We lie down in our shame, and our confusion covers us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers, from our youth even unto this day, and have not obeyed the voice of Adonai our God. If you will return, O America, says the Lord, return unto me, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you will not remove And you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it, because of the evil of your doings. For I will bring evil, and a great destruction." The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate, and your cities shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. For this, put on sackcloth, lament, howl, for the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back from us. And it shall come to pass at that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes and the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. Behold, he shall come up as clouds, and his chariots shall be as a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled. O America, wash your heart from wickedness, that you may be saved. How long shall your vain thoughts stay within you? Make mention to the nations. Behold, publish against America that watchers come from a far country and give out their voice against the cities of America. As keepers of a field are they against her roundabout, because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. Your way and your doings have procured these things unto you. This is your wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reaches unto your heart. I am pained at my very heart, My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because you have heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled, and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For the people are foolish. They have not known Adonai. They are sottish children. They have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge.
And when you are spoiled, what will you do? Though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you deck yourself with ornaments of gold, though you fix your face with painting, in vain will you make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. Run to and fro through the streets of America and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If you can find a man, if there be any that executes judgment that seeks the truth, and I will pardon it. And though they say the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O Lord, are not your eyes upon the truth? You have stricken them, but they have not grieved. You have consumed us, but we have refused to receive correction. We have made our faces harder than a rock. We have refused to return. Therefore I said, surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. How shall I pardon thee for this? Shall I not visit for these things, says the Lord? And shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? They have belied the Lord and said, it's not him, neither will any evil come upon us. We won't see sword or famine. Wherefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and this people wood, and it shall devour them. They shall eat up your harvest and your bread, which your sons and your daughters should eat. They shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees. They shall impoverish your fenced cities, wherein you trusted with the sword." Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they can't pass over it. But this people has a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. They don't say in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter, in this season. He reserves unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among these people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxed rich. They are waxen fat. They shine. They overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy they don't judge. Shall I not visit for these things, says the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? And what will you do in the end thereof? End quote. Now, how is it that I can replace Israel with America? Because it applies. Because of the character of our God. Because of what is written in his holy word. I can say with a certainty that he wants all mankind to come to him for forgiveness. He does not put up with sin forever from any people. He created all people not to sin, not to go against him, but to be with him 
to follow him, to be his children. He only took Israel separately and set them apart as a witness to us that we would get and understand that fact that all people are to come to him. He created us all for him. And how will he not punish our sin as well? How does any nation on earth think they can escape when they go against the almighty God? We have done so much wrong with our false theology. So wrong. But I can tell you with a certainty, he is waiting for forgiveness. He wants the hearts of the world to be with his heart. It's a beautiful love relationship. I can say this because his mercy does extend to all nations and all individuals that turn to him. Turn back, America. Interestingly, our stock market is on the downswing again, fluctuating, but in a downward trend. Oh, yes, you may say that's because of Greece. Greece is affecting Asia. Asia affects us. After all, we're in a global market now, aren't we? Which, by the way, is another way of throwing away our sovereignty. Maybe. Maybe it's Greece and the euro and the global economy. Or maybe our God is bigger than that. Maybe he actually sees all things before they happen. And maybe, just maybe, he has this all happening at this time to let us feel the consequences of our corporate sin. Maybe it's a warning. What can be done? As his word said, turn your face toward him and not your back. Repent of your own sin. And if you're already a Christian, let us repent together of our corporate sin. Let us weep for the sins of our nation. Let us stand in the gap with his truth. His Holy Spirit will strengthen us and help us to speak his words. Let us not be guilty of the blood of the ignorant by failing to warn them. If he has given you eyes to see, then he has surely endowed you with a mouth to speak. Whatever means he has given you, whatever method he has placed in your hands, use it for him. For the rest of you, call on the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, and be saved. Acts 16.31 Thanks for listening. Copyright 2015, A Christian.